Hello and welcome to LOL Sports, the sports, comedy and sporting news podcast. I'm your host, Liam Smith. And unfortunately this week, we do not have a special guest. So that means for the next 45 minutes to an hour, you have the misfortune of putting up with me waffling on. So as usual, we will be bringing you all the latest sporting news. This week I have another dad's ditty and the topic for the week will be Wimbledon since the tournament has just started at the beginning of this week. I thought what better time to bring you all the latest updates on how the tournament is going so far and we'll have a look at a few big Wimbledon facts. So we'll start with the news and first on my list is USA's Shaw Carrie Richardson is out of the Olympics Um, well out of the Olympic 100 metre women's race anyway Um, she picked up a suspension um, a one month suspension for an anti-doping violation Um, this was due to taking marijuana which she admits was a mistake but she took it to help her um, help her get over a mother's death. Um, so can can understand her reasoning for doing it. She said she she found it difficult to um, continue in the spotlight um, while trying to grieve, and found the best way to be able to cope with it all was to take marijuana. She regrets what she did, and she knows it was a huge mistake. Um, but yeah, so she's picked up a one-month ban, which has made her drop out, miss out on the women's 100 metres because she hasn't been able to qualify for it because of the suspension. She was a big, con- big contender for the gold medal. However, her ban should hopefully end in time for August the 6th and she could possibly make the 400 metres relay if she is cleared and if they decide to pick her. Like I say, I don't agree with drugs in sports. I think it's wrong. I do understand and I do agree with the fact that with the spotlight and everything on her, such a big thing like losing your mother, you can't understand the effects that has on a person's mental state. And if she's trying to be brave in front of the public and is struggling to be able to grieve for her mother... I can understand her making a big mistake like taking marijuana. Like I say, I don't agree with the fact she took it, but like I say, you can't, you can't, you can't attack her for trying to find a way to grieve her mother. Um, it, it's a difficult sub- subject, really, when you think about it, because, like I say, drugs in sports is completely wrong, 
However, I under—I have an understanding of the circumstances she is in, um, but doesn't make it right. So I'm not condoning her taking drugs. I'm just saying I understand why she took them. Um, moving on. A much more positive note in terms of the Olympics. Skateboarder Sky Brown is to become Great Britain's youngest summer Olympian at 13 years and 11 days old. She is surpassing the record of Marjorie Hinton, who was 31 days older than her when she swam in Amsterdam in 1928. 13 years and 11 days old. That is that is some age to be comp- competing at the Olympics. And credit to the young lass. Um, she must be one hell of a skateboarder if she's um, competing at the Olympics at 13 years old. That's impressive. So fair play to the young lass. Again, um, slightly darker um, news in terms of the Olympics now. World 400 metre champion Salwar Eid Nasser is going to miss out on the Olympics due to pick, um, due to pick up a two-year ban because she missed at least three tests, three drug tests, which is the main violation that she's broken, between uh, March 2019 and January 2020. Um, Salwa Eden Nasser of um, Bahrain, like I say, was a world 400 metres champion, and the two-year ban is going to be costly. Um, They did try to appeal it, Unfortunately, they they didn't end up successful in appealing it. This isn't saying she did take drugs. This is just saying she missed three drugs tests or more. And in the in in the um, rules, that's a huge no no, basically. So unfortunately, she will be missing out on the Olympics and her chance at winning another gold medal. Moving on from the Olympics, we now look at cricket. And England beat Sri Lanka in the One Day International Series by eight wickets. I actually did watch a little bit of this um, at night at work because I work nights. And I was I was quite impressed with what I saw. Um, so England went on to win it um, 244 for two, whereas Sri Lanka was 241 for nine. So... The runs that were got by England, Joe Root got 68, Roy got 60 and was um, out, Bairstow got 29 and was out, and Morgan got 75, not out, Root got 68, not out. So, no, some some good totals there for a couple of our English batsmen and a, another another solid performance in the Monday International Series. So, well done there to England and fantastic performance. In golf... In the Dubai Duty Free Irish Open, Lucas Herbert leads at 13 under par. But the big news here is Rory McIlroy and Shane Lowry make the uh, the local fa- lo- local favourites sort of thing because they're both Irish, Northern Irish and Irish. Um, McIlroy and Shane Lowry make the cut at five under, giving McIlroy and Lowry still a good chance at maybe catching the leaders. They've got quite a quite a gap behind them, eight shots difference between McElroy and Herbert. Lucas Herbert leads at thirteen under the Australian, 
uh, doing very well and is two shots ahead of um, Scotland's Grant Forrest and England's Andy Sullivan who are both on 11 under and out there on his own in fourth position is England's Dale Whitnell on 10 under so there's still 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 way to go yet because you've got the rest of the weekend to go but McElroy and Lowry make the cut um, in the Dubai Irish Open which will make local fans very happy We'll move on to the NFL and Washington football team have been fined $10 million following following a review into the culture of their organisation. Now, this comes down to basically the findings were um, there's a fear culture, an intimidation culture at the, at, at the team, at the club, and... Um, this comes down to claims of bullying and intimidation, especially towards females. There's been claims of sexual harassment and they've been found guilty and have been fined $10 million. So not a very good image to be painting for um, workplace rights and women's rights. And I don't, I don't agree that there should be any fear culture in a workplace. I think people should be treated with respect and feel appreciated and welcomed in their workplace. So, again, it's not something I agree with, and I, I strongly, strongly agree with the fine. I've got to admit. So, next on my list, we have Clarissa Shields. Now she showed her striking power as she stopped Brittany Elkin with a. Barrage of punches in the third round of her MMA debut in New Jersey. Now, the 26-year-old, who is an American, um, is one of the biggest stars in women's boxing at the moment, and there was a lot. Of, there was a lot of questions about her joining MMA. Is, MMA, is it going to ruin her boxing career? Um, like I say, she's one of the biggest stars in women's boxing at the moment, and. She overcame a difficult start to her career in the professional fighters league. Um, she she was forced to ground for t- forced to the ground for two rounds, but ended up finishing off an explosive finish when in the third round. Um, so yeah, no fair play to her. She she's won her first match. She found it difficult, but yeah, winning her first MMA match is a lot different to boxing. And like I say, even though she's she's huge in the boxing world, MMA is a whole different ball game, and. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how how she can how she continues in the sport of MMA and combining that with her boxing career, um, how well she does. So no, she's she she she's doing well. So credit to her, and I wish her all the best taking on the MMA world as well as her boxing world. So that's pretty much all the news I've got at the moment apart from football. So now I'm going to go, and this may take a little little bit of a while, but I'm going to go into the transfers news. Just because um, the transfer window has been open now for a short while, we've got six weeks till the start of the season, and I just thought, we haven't really covered any of the transfers that have happened yet this summer. So I thought I'll just cover the latest news in transfers and then go over the done deals as well. And... Give you a little update on who's gone where in the Premier League 
I'm mainly covering the Premier League just because most of my listeners will be in the UK. I apologise to those elsewhere that want to know transfer news around Europe and the rest of the world. But these are the Premier League transfer updates. So Leicester have completed um, the signing of Bubakari Sumari for £17 million. They signed him from Lille. And I think that is a solid, solid signature. He's, he's, a, he's a decent player. And I think they've done well to pick him up. Especially at £17 million. It's not a bad sum, really. They've also managed to get Ryan Bertrand to agree to join them. He was He's become a free agent after his contract ran out at Southampton this summer. So Bertrand has agreed to join Leicester. Um, so, no, a couple of decent signings in the last day or two um, for Leicester. And um, they're starting to look like they're building a strong side for the coming season. Elsewhere, we have Man United, who've signed free agent Tom Heaton. Tom Heaton um, also was out of contract in the summer, and Man United have picked him up as a free agent and offered him a, a contract. So he'll probably be back up to David De Gea and Henderson. They've also agreed a fee for Jadon Sancho. It's rumoured to be around £73 million, probably with, with many add-ons. Um, but no, that is um, a massive, massive move for Man United, who have been looking for a right-sided player or a forward. Um, bringing in Sancho, he'll probably play on the right, which will then open up opportunities for Greenwood to play up front, Cavani to play up front. They've got more options in attack because Greenwood won't be playing on the right as much. Not just that, but there is rumours that they are looking to looking into the purchase of Dominic Calvert-Lewin from Everton. There's no actual weight behind this rumour yet. It's still just a rumour. But um, who knows? Um, and finally, on the Man United front, Juan Mata has signed a new one-year deal. Norwich have signed Billy Gilmore on loan from Chelsea. They've also managed to pick up Ben Gibson on a free, um, the goalkeeper. And they brought in Dimitri Giannoulis. I don't know who this player is. I'm assuming he's... Um, it doesn't really give much details on where he's from or, or how much it says undisclosed. So um, I don't really know much about the player myself. But um, Norwich looking like they're getting a little bit of business in now. Um, Leeds have managed to get Dallas to sign a new three-year deal, which is a massive move for Leeds because Dallas was one of their standout players last season. Uh, so that pretty much covers the recent um, transfer dealings. Now we'll have a quick look through the teams who've done deals. So Arsenal are yet to sign anybody. Villa have managed to bring in Buendia um, from Norwich for £38 million. And they've managed to bring in Ashley Young from Inter Milan um, on a free. Um, quite a few teams here that haven't picked up anybody. But Nathan, uh, Nathan Collins has joined Burnley from Stoke for an undisclosed fee. Um, Crystal Palace has picked up Jacob Montez. I've never heard of him. From Georgetown University. Again, 
I, I'm, I'm pretty clueless on that one. But that is the only done deal that Crystal Palace has done. The next one, however, I, I highly rate this move. Leicester have picked up Patson Dacker from Red Bull Salzburg for 23 million. And I think that's a pretty solid move, giving a bit more um a bit more weight and attack with Vardy getting on a bit now. I hear Nacho has been in and out with injuries. That did look good toward back end of the season, but Dacker will be in there to compete for that forward role. Another good move, Liverpool picking up Ibrahima Konate from Red Bull Leipzig for £36 million. I think that is a solid move as well. They needed backup, especially after the season they had with Van Dijk, Gomez and Matip all ending up on long-term injuries. It left them struggling at the back for a while and making desperate signatures to get defenders in. Konate is a solid midfielder. And I think he'll do well at Liverpool. I think that's another good signing. He'll be battling for a place in that lineup. There's plenty of um, players now to battle in that position. So we now move to Norwich and the next team that have brought players in. Um, I already picked, spoke about a couple that signed earlier on. They've also signed Angus Gunn from Southampton for an undisclosed fee. Solid backup keeper. Um. They've picked up Milot Rashika from Werder Bremen for 9.4 million. Now, I've heard good things about this guy. I've heard he's meant to be a solid player. Um, I've heard they've brought him in as replacement for Buendia. And at 9.4 million, if he can perform as well as Buendia did for Norwich, they've, they've, they've got themselves a solid player for a very tidy price there. And finally, they brought in Kenny Corker from Southend for an undisclosed fee. Uh, I don't know much about Kenny Corker. I do apologise. We'll move on to Southampton. Um, they've brought in Theo Walcott from Everton uh, on a free transfer. They've also brought in Romain Perraud uh, from Stad Brest for an undisclosed fee. Now, Theo Walcott, I think that's a decent move. He did all right for Southampton last season on loan. And I think that's the reason they picked him up permanently. Romain Perraud, I don't know much about him, but I have heard some good things. So... Hopefully he impresses in his in his first season at Southampton. And finally, the last team to have done business so far in the transfer window, we have Watford, who've brought in Danny Rose from Spurs on a free transfer. They've brought in Imran Louser or Louser from Nantes for an undisclosed fee. Ashley Fletcher from Middlesbrough on a free transfer. They brought in Emmanuel Dennis from Club Bruges for an undisclosed fee. Quadro Barr from Rochdale for an undisclosed fee and Matty Pollock from Grimsby for an undisclosed fee. Watford picking up quite a few players there, but a lot of them don't seem to be costing them a lot of money. So maybe there's still some big moves to be made in the window. Still question marks on whether they will offer Troy Deeney a new contract as well yet. Oh, sorry, two more clubs who have done business. We have West Ham who brought in Pierre Equart Alimbi from Chelsea for an undisclosed fee. Thierry Nevers from Reading for an undisclosed fee. And Armstrong Ocoflex from Celtic for a free transfer. And finally, Wolverhampton Wanderers has brought in Jerson Mosquera from Atletico Nacional for undisclosed fee. And Louis Molden from Man City on a free transfer. That is all the transfer business done so far this window in the Premier League. 
so yeah, still still some big big name moves to come. Still some big 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 transfers to happen yet, and I think you won't see a lot of big deals happen until the Euros are over with. I think that's when clubs will start to look at the players they've got and weigh up where they need where they need backup, where they might need where they might where they might need to strengthen. And I think you'll start to see business start to go down in 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 about two weeks' time, a couple of weeks before the season starts. So now we'll move on to the Euros and the Euros catch up. Um, when I did my last episode, I left you with the. Last 16 clash of Czech Republic and Holland still to be played. So we'll continue from there. So on Sunday, 8pm, Holland faced off against Czech Republic. And our first upset of the tournament was um, was found. Czech Republic beating Holland 2-0. Um, My apologies. No, I did tell you about the Czech Republic beating Holland last um, last week. It was the other game that was the 8pm kickoff. It was um, Belgium beating Portugal by one goal to nil, and going on into going through to the quarterfinals on Monday at 5pm. There was um, an absolute barnstorm of a game, um, an eight-goal thriller. Um, Spain versus Croatia. Um, two late goals from Croatia helped them come back from three one three one down to level three all and take it to extra time. In extra time, Spain then scored another two goals and won five three in extra time against Croatia, taking them through to the quarterfinals. So Spain becoming victors with a five three win. At eight p.m. on the Monday. France faced off against Switzerland. Benzema proving himself to be influential yet again, coming back from a goal down, um, scoring two fantastic goals. And then um, Pogba with an absolute screamer took him three one up. But Switzerland were not to be um, were not to be overlooked and came back from a three one deficit quite late in the second half to equalise three all. And went on into extra time and penalties and came through victors in a 5-4 win in penalties. Which took them through to the quarterfinals. Tuesday at 5pm, I was sat on a a picnic table at Cliveroe Football Club with my buddies watching our boys England do us proud and pick up a 2-0 victory over Germany. Sterling and Harry Kane were the goal scorers and the game changed when Jack Grealish came on the pitch. He just seemed to create magic for us and we came out 2-0 victors over Germany. What's even better is Muller ended up with a one-on-one with the keeper, looked destined to score. You'd have, you'd have bet your house on him scoring and someone managed to put it past the post. So that was just like the icing on the cake for us. So yeah, England progressed to the quarterfinals and they would face off in the quarterfinals against the winners of the evening game, which saw Sweden face off against Ukraine. Now this game went um, went one up to Ukraine. Forsberg got an equaliser for Sweden in the second half. It went into extra time. Sweden ended up with a red card late on 
And then right in injury time, Ukraine managed to bag a late winner and before it got to penalties and Ukraine stormed into the quarterfinals with a 2-1 victory. Earlier today, um, before this show goes out, I decided to watch the two games and take on the results so I could put these results in the show. So in the quarterfinals, the first two quarterfinals, you saw Switzerland face off against Spain. Spain getting an own goal early on in the first half. Switzerland coming back, though, with a fantastic goal themselves. Managed to get to late on in the second half before having a man sent off a red card. I thought it was a very harsh red card, but I can I can understand why it was given. They spent the whole of extra time and the last 15, 20 minutes of normal time with 10 men. Managed to hold Italy at, uh, Spain at bay and it went to penalties. Switzerland, who did so well on penalties before that, Sommer had a fantastic game against Switzerland, uh, against Spain, sorry, holding out Spain with some amazing saves. Just wasn't able to do it in the penalty shootout, and Spain became victorious with a 3 1 victory on penalties, taking them through to the semi finals, where they will take on the winners of the later game, which was Belgium versus Italy. Belgium. Unfortunately, fell short of um, victory. And although being ranked the number one team in the world, fell foul to a 2-1 win to Italy. So Italy progressed to the semi-finals. And Italy look very, very good for the whole tournament. They have looked good all the way through. The only stumbling, stumbling block they really had was Austria. And... I think that was just just a, a blip. I really do because Italy have looked very very good. The passion, um, and the determination it, it it looks good for Italy. It really does. So tomorrow's fixtures, you see Czech Republic face off against Denmark, and then the big one Ukraine face off against England in Rome. I'm rooting for our boys. I think we'll do it. I think we, we'll romp to the semi-final. And I honestly think we get to the semi-final, depending on who the winner is between Czech Republic and Denmark. I think we'll still be able to overcome them. I think we could end up seeing Italy or Spain in the final. I really do. I think this year could well be our year. So, that is the Euros roundup as well. And that is all the news I have. So, we'll just take... Um, a couple of minutes now for a short break. So grab yourself a drink, nip to the bathroom, whatever you need to do. And when you come back, we will have Dad's Ditty. So as you can tell by the intro, it is time for Dad's Ditty. 
So this week my dad has wrote a poem all about England versus Germany. So here we go. Going through all emotions, heart racing and a flutter. The Germans will beat us yet again. We will end up in the gutter. 70 minutes have quickly gone. We've seen bugger all from Kane. Time to shout at Southgate. Why did you pick him? Have you no brain? He's not fit, it's clear to see. He's so leggy and so slow. He couldn't ruddy well hit. Our barn door with a bag, big banjo. But wait, what's this? He's off the bench. Finally Grealish is selected. A buzz rings out, our hopes go up and we are no longer ruddy dejected. We spark to life like a different team. Passion and promise abound. It's coming home, it's coming home. Echoes all around. Then it's through, a perfect cross. Our hearts are on our floors. When up pops the mighty Sterling and only goes and scores. England erupts and screams ring out and gallons of beer get spilt. We couldn't, could we, just this once and banish all that guilt? Settle down, it's just one nil. And the Germans are never off colour. Oh shit, now look at this. An open chance for... Muller? Always overrated, that man. It was clear he was going to miss. But now I need to go to the loo and clean up all this piss. Flipping it, this, look, flipping it, just look at this. Grealish crosses again. And wait a minute, look who's there. Oh, what a beauty, it's Kane. Always said he was wonderful. Never was in doubt. Told you Southgate knew what was what. And the ruddy Germans are out. Fifty years we have waited for that. Heartbreak of penalties so poor. But now we won't know one thing is true. It's coming home for sure. <laughs> Thank you very much to my dad for another entertaining poem. And I, I do enjoy that one. It's very, very good. <laughs> I hope you all enjoy it too. So we will just go for another break now. And when we come back, we will be looking at everything Wimbledon based. See you shortly. Okay, well, welcome back, everybody. And this is the part of the show where we get into our topic of the week. And this week's topic, since it started at the start of the week, is Wimbledon. So I'll start off with a load of facts before closing out with the latest, like, main results that we know of. So, like, like your big seeded players and the players that we all know how they're doing in the tournament, any shocks and things like that. Um... So, we'll start off with the facts. So, Wimbledon is the world's oldest tennis tournament, established at the All England Croquet and Lawn Tennis Club, now often referred to as the AELTC in 1877. Its name comes from its location, Wimbledon, a district of south-west London. It was originally based off Whirlpool Road, 
but it moved its current location to Church Road in 1922. The most recent British players to win the singles events were Andy Murray in 2013 in the men's singles and Virginia Wade in 1977 in the women's singles. The first televised airing of the championships, Wimbledon, was by the BBC on the 21st of June, 1937. The courts are sown with 100% perennial ryegrass and Wimbledon is the only Grand Slam event in the world played on grass. Sponsored advertising is not allowed at Wimbledon. Centre Court is now fitted with a retractable roof to help avoid rain delays that have been an infamous feature of the tournament throughout its history because we all know that Britain, or England, is a very wet country. (laughs) Our summers are usually wet. (laughs) Centre Court is only used for the Wimbledon Championships but it did see extra play in 2012 at the All England Club hosted the tennis events in the London 2012 Olympics, in which Andy Murray, um, our last British winner, also won gold at the Olympics. In, in them Olympics, that is. The tradition of players bowing or curtsying in front of the Royal Box ended in 2003. However, there is an exception made if Her Majesty the Queen Elizabeth II or the Prince of Wales is present. BBGs, Bow Boys and Girls, are drawn from schools in the local London boroughs. Candidates are nominated by their head teachers and must pass a written and fitness test, among other tests. The average age of the Bow Boy or Bow Girl is 15. Bow Girls did not appear on Centre Court until 1985. Champions of Wimbledon will receive a three-quarter-sized replica of their trophy. If you wish to receive tickets um, from Wimbledon, tickets are securely secured mostly through ballot. However, you may queue for tickets on match days as well. For the first time in 2013, American fans were able to watch every single match live on ESPN, ending 25 years of hit-and-miss coverage on NBC. The championship trophies left the grounds of Wimbledon for the first time in their history when they crossed the pond to mark the launch of ESPN's coverage of Wimbledon. There are tours of the grounds and museum which are available throughout the year. So, a little bit more in terms of numbers now. 54,250 tennis balls are used during the championships period. I feel sorry for all the ball boys and girls going to collect all them. <laughs> At the start of each day, 48 tins of tennis balls are taken onto centre court and number one court, and 24 on all outside courts. Tennis balls were not always yellow. They originally were white balls and were replaced in 1986 so they could be seen more easily on the television. The tournament commands a global news access audience estimated at more than 1 billion people across 200 territories. Wimbledon is the largest single annual sporting catering operation in Europe. 
serving 234,000 meals, 330,000 cups of tea and coffee, 140,000 portions of English strawberries, 10 litres of dairy ice, 10,000 litres of dairy ice cream, should I say, and 29,000 bottles of champagne, among other things. Wimbledon began in 1877 at the All England Club in the London suburb of Wimbledon as Gentlemen's Single Championship, making it the oldest tennis tournament in the world. Only 22 players participated in this tournament. Wimbledon rules state that all players must be dressed almost entirely in white. Umpires can ask a player to change if they do not meet the dress code. I apologise for the noise in the background. My little pooch has decided to wake up and come in, and come and pay interest into Wimbledon. Must be a tennis fan. I know she likes to chase a tennis ball around a field, but there you go. It's not quite the same. <laughs> so yeah, so Wimbledon is the only Grand Slam that is played on grass courts, and during the event, the grass is cut to a height of exactly eight millimeters. Wimbledon has its own hawk called Rufus, whose job is to scare away pigeons each morning from the tennis courts. Now, he, he is a Harris hawk that's trained by Imogen Davis of Avian Control. They visit the club most weeks in the year to provide a deterrent to pigeons by making it known as a predator is in the grounds. The hawk flies for about one hour each morning of the championships, about 9am, before the gates open up to the public. And during the course of Wimbledon fortnight, the repairs team string about 2,000 rackets and use more than 40 miles worth of string. Some incredible stats there, really is. Now I'll delve into more the tennis side of the stats and facts. So, the fastest serve in the men's competition is 148 miles per hour by Taylor Dent from the USA in 2010. For the women's, it was uh, at 129 miles per hour by Venus Williams in the U from the USA back in 2008. <laughs> this is just an incredible stat. The most aces at the competition in the men's tournament was 214 by John Isner from the USA in 2018. In the women's tournament, it was 102 by Serena Williams of the USA in 2012. So the US, USA do like to do things by, by big numbers. <laughs> For those who are watching on um, the TV screen, the TV is a 40 square meter screen. That's monstrous. Imagine that on your wall in your house. I don't forget it fits in your house. Unless you had a mansion. <laughs> the longest match. Now this is insane. The longest match was back in 2010. It happened on court 18 and was played over three days. Our friend from the most aces, John Isner of the USA, beat Nicolas Mahout of France. He beat him 6-4. The first set. Lost the second set 6-3. Lost the second set in the tiebreaker, 7-6. Won the fourth set, 7-6. And in the final set, it doesn't go to tiebreak. You've got to win by two clear games. 
it went to 70-68 in terms of games. The game, la- the match lasted for a full entire 11 hours and 5 minutes duration, which is ridiculous. The final set alone lasted 491 minutes. That's 8 hours and 11 minutes. 1 hour and 38 minutes longer than the previous longest match in tennis history. 980 points were played in total. Mahout won 502 points and Isner 478 of them. During that match, Isner served the most aces in a match with 113 aces and there was 123 balls used. At Wimbledon, moving on from that, at Wimbledon there is 679 matches during the fortnight. In terms of the most wins at Wimbledon, Martina Navratilova has the most women's titles with nine wins. Steffi Graf and Serena Williams are closely behind her with seven wins. In terms of the men's competition, Roger Federer is out in front with eight wins. Pete Sampras, who is retired now, has seven wins. And behind them, Novak Djokovic and Bjorn Borg are sat on five wins. And despite their status of being part of the Big Four, Rafael Nadal and Andy Murray are only on two wins each. That pretty much sums up the stat side of Wimbledon that I have for you. Some interesting stats are for certain, and um, I find quite a few of them fascinating, especially that, that game that lasted 11 hours and 5 minutes. <laughs> I couldn't imagine playing tennis for 11 hours, 5 minutes. That's insane. What I will say is um, we will move on now and have a look at some of the matches that have happened so far in the tournament in the first week. Some of the big names and big seeds and how they're getting on. And we'll give you an update on where they're at and how they're getting on. So we'll start off with Andy Murray. Andy Murray, he managed to um, he managed to get to the third round uh, after coming back from major surgery. We didn't think he was going to come back again, and he he came back. And in the very first round, he was up against twenty um, fourth seed Nicolas Basilashvili, who he managed to beat in four sets, which was a, a great achievement. He then beat a young German. Rookie in five sets um, in the second round, but unfortunately fell short to number 10 seed Denis Shapovalov um, in straight sets in the third round. Um, so unfortunately to Andy Murray, he is now out. Um, unlucky Andy, but a very good start and return to your tennis career after severe um, after a severe operation. Um he is now currently ranked like, way out in the hundreds in terms of ranking is Andy Murray. But he'll be very happy to get back on the court and, and get a couple of wins under his belt at Wimbledon. I think he'll be very happy to get back in front of the English fans and be back playing tennis again. We did think he was going to retire, so it is nice to see him back, even if he hasn't gone very far in the tournament. So in terms of the seat, big seeds... Um, Novak Djokovic um, 
has, has managed to get to round four. He's the number one seed. Number two seed, Daniel Med Medvedev um, has got to round three. He's still to play in round three. He's up against Marin Cilic. Tough opposition. Um, the third seed, Stefanos Tsitsipas, lost to Frances Tiafo in the first round. Alexander Zirev um, lost to Taylor Fritz. Oh, no, sorry. He's in the third round against Taylor Fritz. Roger Federer is the sixth seed. He's, in, he's into round three. Um, Roberto Bidista Agut has a fourth round showdown with Andy Murray's um, last opponent, Denis Shapovalov. Um, Batista Agut is the eighth seed against the tenth seed. Um, Gail Monfield, ranked 13th, he's been in the game for a long time now. Unfortunately, he lost to Pedro Martinez in round two. We've lost the ninth seed. We've lost the 11th seed, Pablo Carrena Buster, to Sam Query. We've lost Casper Rude, the 12th seed, to Jordan Thompson. And Daniel Evans, the highest seeded Brit, unfortunately lost in the third round to Sebastian Corder. Um, Daniel Evans, ranked 22, unfortunately, is now out. And... Yeah, Marin Cilic, who is the 32 seed, is against the number two seed um, tomorrow, I think it is. So, yeah, that pretty much wraps up like, all the big names for the men's. In terms of the women's, um, ranked number one seed, Ashley Barté is into round three. And she's got a showdown against Katerina Sidiakova. Number two seeds, Arina Sabalenka. Is up against Elena Rybakina in round four. Unfortunately, um, the third, fourth, and fifth and sixth seed, including Svitolina Andriescu and Serena Williams, are all out, losing in the first or second round. Serena Williams lost in the first round to Alexandra Sasnovich, which is a bit of a shock there. The 7th and 8th seed, Pliskova and Swiatek are through to the 4th round. But then we've said goodbye to the 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th and 15th seeds and 17th seed. Um, with some um, big upsets really, some early round knockouts for a lot of the seeded players. Um, leaving a lot of the players at aren't as highly seeded with a, a great opportunity to um to progress and maybe have a chance at causing an upset in the tournament. Um it is interesting to see so many um big seeded players from the women's side of the competition go out so early. And I'm I must admit I haven't really followed Wimbledon this week because of the Euros really. But it sounds like I'm missing out on some exciting games here. So it looks like I might have to start watching Wimbledon again. So, yeah. So that is pretty much the women's side of things covered as well.
So I'll just go over the results on centre court for today. Um, so Muguruza um, ranked 11th in the women's division, lost to the 21st seed Jabir 7 5. Um, sorry, 5 7, 6 3, 6 2. Um, Dan Evans, who was Britain's highest ranked hope, went out to Corda. Dan Evans lost the first set 6-3, six, uh, six, then won the second set 6-3, then lost the final two sets 6-3, six, 6-4. Six, um, as I mentioned earlier, Shapovalov um, beat Andy Murray in straight sets 6-4, 6-2, 6-2. And in the ladies, Samsonova beat Sloane Stevens 6-2-2-6-6-4. Novak Djokovic progressed to the fourth round in straight sets, beating Kudler of America 6-4-6-3-7-6 in the tiebreak in the third set. In the women's, Keys managed to beat Mertens. The 23 seed beat the 13 seed, 7-5-6-3. Number 8 seed, Pliskova beat Martin Korva, 6-3-6-3. Sabalenka, the number 2 seed, flew through hers in an hour and 15 minutes, winning 6-0-6-3. And just a couple of the others. Batista Gut beat Kupfer, 7-5-6-1-7-6. Um, Rank 5 seed Rublev beat Fognini, the 26 seed 6-3, 5-7, 6-4, 6-2. And that's pretty much it, yeah. The rest of the doubles, I've not really gone into the doubles. Um, if you want to check out any of the results or want to follow any of the um, players or matches, go to www.wimbledon.com and you'll be able to find all the results in order of play. Um, and yeah, you'll you'll they've got there's so much information on there. They've got all the seed lists. They've got facts. They've got loads and loads of interesting things on the website. Give it a look. And yeah, no, thank you for tuning in and listening in. Um, I'm sorry that I didn't have a guest again this week. Um, hopefully you enjoyed this little insight into Wimbledon. Um. I am excited to see what happens in the tournament, especially the women's side with so many big seeded names going out. That does look very interesting. So, no, I will give you a slight update maybe in the next episode. But in the meantime, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. And we will see you again next Friday. Goodbye.